Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. All right. So, again, looking forward to 2021. Uh, These kinds of messages can sometimes, by those of us who are Bible people, we can have uh, an idea about these kind of messages where they're kind of motivational speaking, uh, you know, self-help conference-y, seminar for change, that type of thing. That's not what we're going to do here. What we're going to do is give uh, a biblical case for hope and looking forward, and then we're going to together as the church look forward to what God might have for us in the new year. Um, We are called to remember sometimes, right? In the Old Testament, you remember Joshua set up stones of remembrance from the Jordan River. You remember Jacob set up a stone of of remembrance when he slept on the the rock as his pillow and, and the Lord opened up the heavens to him and he saw the angels ascending and descending on the ladder, Jacob's ladder. Um, and, and we do memorials, if you will, out of stones in our day, don't we? There's the uh, Washington Monument and the MLKJ Monument in D.C. Uh, and so we have these remembrance opportunities. We have special days that help us to look backwards and remember. We have Independence Day, July 4th. We have Juneteenth. Uh, we have Christmas and Resurrection Sunday. And there, there's these days where we look backwards And we celebrate because those events have caused a reality now in the present that we live in. But you know what? The Bible has us look back, but it doesn't have us go around looking back constantly. We're not supposed to walk forward with our heads backwards like this because you're going to run into something or someone. It's hard to drive backwards. I've done it. It's possible. It's not advisable. As I think Eddie said this once, uh, there's a reason that the rearview mirror is so small and the windshield is huge. You're, you're supposed to look through the big window and occasionally glance up at the little one and look backwards. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about looking forward. And when we look forward, do you know what that's called biblically? It starts with an H. Hope. Hope looks forward into the future and has positive anticipation. Positive anticipation. Now, I want to give you a definition for hope first. So let's work through a definition first. This is from the Lexham Bible Dictionary, which I so appreciate. Hope is the confidence that by integrating God's redemptive acts in the past with trusting human responses in the present. All right, I'm going to interpret this a little bit. So integrating means to bring together as one, two things, or or more integrate together to create one thing. So what are the two things we're going to integrate? We're going to integrate God's redemptive acts, starting with the people of Israel out of Egypt and then through into the promised land and then with Jesus Christ and the gospel, and now we're being set free Uh, progressively from sin and one day we will be set free eternally from sin and we will have victory so you have God's redemptive acts in the past we look back we see God is a redeeming God and then with trusting human response in the present and what does that mean that means that you can look at what God has done in the past and then you exercise faith now in your current trouble and trial and struggle Look back at the redeeming qualities of God in the past. Remember that He is still a redeeming God and that His promises are for you. And that faith in God, because of His track record in the past, can produce 
a future what? Hope. Does that make sense? Okay. The confidence that, it's confidence, hope is, is confident, at least Christian hope, by integrating God's redemptive acts in the past with trusting human response in the present, the faithful, that's us, faithful, will experience the fullness of God's goodness, both in the present and in the future. Now, God is good, and and I know that when we're suffering or disappointed or hurting or struggling or in pain, it's hard to amen that God is good. God, are you good? Are you really good, as your word says? Because it doesn't feel like you're good, and my circumstances aren't telling me you're good. They're telling me you're bad, and I got Satan in my ear telling me that you're not just not good, but you're evil. Because a good God wouldn't do this if he were sovereign, if he were in control. But you see, we look back into the past at God's redemptive qualities, and we look at our present realities in light of His faithfulness and goodness, and it gives us the opportunity, look, to experience the fullness of God's goodness both in the present now and into the future. This is what hope can do, friends. Now listen, biblical faith rests on the trustworthiness of God to keep His promises. Is God trustworthy? In other words, is He worthy of your trust? How do we know? Well, we look back at what He's done in the Scriptures. We look back at what He's done in Jesus Christ. We look at our own lives, the way He saved us from certain deaths. Some of us really, really clear certain deaths, the way we acted, the way that we uh, conducted ourselves in the world. We were headed to destruction and loving every minute of it. It was not good. But God is trustworthy to save us in the past, and He's still trustworthy to save us in the present. The biblical view of hope is thus significantly different from that found in ancient Greek philosophy. Now, I'm going to say that this definition of Greek philosophy and hope is the current non-Christian view of hope. And what is it? The Greeks recognized that human beings expressed hope by nature. However, this kind of hope reflects both good and bad experiences. The future was thus a projection of one's own subjective possibilities. Okay, now let me, let me tell you what this is, and this is why this message is not going to be a self-help or motivational talk. You do have the possibility to say, you know what? By my discipline and by my effort and by my energies, I'm going to change things. I'm going to get my degree and I'm going to, you know, save enough money and I'm going to invest and I'm going to, you know, and you by your own efforts are going to make some reality happen. And you have maybe a track record of accomplishing things. And so you're like, I did it. I've done it in the past. I can do it now into the future. That's not what we're talking about. That's subjective. And And our brother Tyree's situation can remind us that you have no idea what tonight brings or tomorrow. And so you can't have your hope resting on your subjective abilities, skills, or past track record. That's not where hope should lie, in you, in your efforts, in your energies. Biblical hope, here's the contrast, avoids this subjectivity by being founded on something that provides a sufficient basis for confidence in its fulfillment, outside of ourselves' confidence. God 
and his redemptive acts as they culminate in the birth, life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, hope, we're, we're, we're looking for as a church, hope that rests outside of us. A hope that rests in the solidness of God and specifically the solidness of God in his redeeming act of becoming man, living perfectly in our place, dying the death on the cross that we deserve to die and raising from the dead. I have the authority to lay my life down and I have the authority to pick it back up again. And we know that Romans 5 tells us it's, it's the spirit who gives resurrection life and we have this same spirit living inside of us. And so our hope is not subjective in ourselves, in our abilities, in, you know, our, we can make it happen this. <laughs> no, it's in God and his track record. So, that, so we're going to base this message of hope in God. Now, we're going to talk about ambition also. Ambition uh, is often a, a negative word because it's often connected with selfish ambition, vain glory. V vain means empty, empty glory. I want, I want you to recognize me. I want you to see me. I, and so this book here is super helpful. I don't expect many of you to read it, but if some of you would, that'd be fantastic. It's by Dave Harvey. Uh, it's called Rescuing Ambition. It's about a decade old. I've read it about nine uh, or so years ago. It's on Hoopla, the audio version. If you guys are Hoopla heads, uh, you can go on Hoopla for free and listen to it. Uh, it's pretty cheap on Amazon. Let me read you just a few excerpts here as we think about hope into the future and ambition for God's expansion, God-empowered expansion of his own kingdom through us. All right. In the 1800s, Spurgeon would speak of two kinds of ambition. There was the good kind, the desire to use one's capacities to the fullest, especially for God's glory and for the good of our fellow creatures. That's good ambition. There was also the kind uh, that Christianity always condemned. Spurgeon again. That craving for so-called glory which makes a man court the homage of his fellow man and which will not let him be content unless he is set up on a high pedestal for fools to stare at. <laughs> That's not good ambition. You got to love Spurgeon. Dave goes on to say, ambition gets us dreaming about what life might look like if we were to apply ourselves. It points us forward and invites us to aspire to something not yet seen. As Christians, there's much in the past that we love, but we're also called to the future. It's future secured by the cross and commissioned by the Savior. A future both given and grabbed, protected and pursued. It's our future if we dare to believe God's promises. That future is too important to put off till tomorrow. We must dream about it today. And so what we're going to talk about now is I want us to look forward into 2021 together and say, what might God want for us, for the church, for his kingdom's expansion? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Let's dream together of what God might do through us next year.
Let's have God glory ambitions. But you know what God does? He doesn't just make things happen out of nothing unless he's creating the world in the first place. <laughs> he did do ex nihilo there, but he doesn't do that anymore. What he does now is he uses human agency to accomplish his purposes. Sure, he uses angels to accomplish his purposes too, but if God's going to save somebody, he's not going to just boom, alive, and you're born again. No, he uses somebody to share the gospel with them. He uses a book that somebody wrote. He uses a sermon that someone preached and put online. He uses a conversation with a friend. He uses a track that you have given to someone. He uses human means to do his work of saving, and then he uses the normal means of grace to grow his people. The normal means of grace? The preaching of the word, the gathered corporate singing, the prayers of the saints, and the corporate praying together, the one anothering, the walking side by side that Brett just spoke of, uh, as we're trying to do with the discipleship counseling course. God uses these normal ways of operating, but it's human on human, but it's God through the humans. It's God in us making change and transformation and expansion happen. And that's a beautiful thing. This was the original design. God put Adam and Eve in a garden and he told them, just lay around, do nothing. I'll take care of everything. You just, just hang out, go swimming if you want. No, he said, care for the animals, cultivate the ground, be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the whole earth cultivate, create culture. And so God had a mission for us originally, and then it would have been for God's glory and for the good of others. But since we were corrupted by sin, all of our energies go out and boomerang and come back. And so all that we do tends to be for self, self-glory, self-aggrandizement, self-promotion, self, self, self. Rather, let's use the self to bless others glorify God and see his work be established, establish the work of our hands here and now in this city and prayerfully in 2021. What could God do through us in the coming year? I would say a lot if we will pray, if we will trust, and if we will get to work. Now, I'm saying all this and you're thinking, Man, if you'd have preached this in 2019, we would have all been laughing at you throughout all of 2020. But here's what you need to think about. This church did better in 2020 than it has in its past six years of life. That's crazy. We, we've done better financially. We've done better spiritually. We've got more people committed. We have sent off people even to other churches to bless them. I mean, God has really moved through us to do beautiful things. And no, it's not big and flashy, but so what? God is often not big and flashy. Jesus was not big and flashy. There's nothing about him that was attractive, Isaiah says. No, God is about the slow progress of change, just like from a seed to a large tree, which then, listen, drops thousands of seeds every year. And I believe that's what God wants to do with us. I think He wants to use us, now that we've got some roots, to drop thousands of little seeds. Think acorns or those little whirly, you know, seeds, twirly birds, helicopters, I don't know what you call them. 
And, and let's see what God might do to expand his kingdom in 2021. Because even in the midst of a pandemic, when everything was shut down, God used this church to do some amazing things. And if you were at the membership meeting, you, you heard about some of those things. Now, let's move to a biblical text. This is not an unfamiliar text. We went through Philippians verse by verse by verse by verse within the last two years. And so you can dig this passage deep by going back to eternalcity.org, looking up this message. But here is Paul, the Apostle Paul, his view of what God is doing with him and what God will do with him. So we're just going to do Paul as a case study for two separate Bible texts. Uh, and then we're going to put forward a vision for 2021. That's where we're headed. So Paul, in, this, in the previous uh, 11 verses, is talking about how God has worked on him, and he is working on him, and, and he wants to be perfect, but he's not perfect yet. He says, not that I have already obtained this, that this is the perfection, the full sanctification, the glorification that God has in store for Paul. It's not that I have obtained this yet, but I want it. I'm going after it. I'm active. I'm pursuing. I'm putting forth energy. It's not that I'm already perfect, but what do I do? I press on to make it my own. Now, let's just look at that word for a second, press on. That looks like action to me. He doesn't say, but I nap, but I take melatonin and conk out. No, he says, I press on. This looks like coffee and Red Bull and foot on the gas. I'm taking action, Paul says. For what? To make it my own. And you say, Paul, that, that seems very ungodly because shouldn't we just let go and let God? Well, I mean, isn't that a Bible verse somewhere? First, I don't know where that is, 20 verse 17. That's not a Bible verse. No, what we need to realize is that God will use our energy and efforts and His energy comes in and takes over when we are exhausted and spent. And there's this mysterious sinking of our energy and God's energy. Our working and God's working. In chapter 2, Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for or because it is God who works in you, both to will and to act according to his good pleasure. That means that we, and, and the work out your salvation does not mean work out your salvation from the penalty of your sin, hell, and judgment. No, it's work out the salvation from the present sin that so easily entangles you. There are current attitudes, current ways of thinking, current ruts that you're stuck in, current actions that you cannot kick that are entangling you. Imagine running through the woods and you get snagged up by, we call them jaggers here in Pittsburgh, but I guess the technical word is thorns. Let's say you get all snagged up in a thorn bush and you're just stuck. As a kid, I used to run through the woods all the time. I would make trails. I would actually you know, pull sticks off of, of trees and I would, I would whip the, the, the weeds down and I would make a path and I would you know, come out with all kind of cuts and little burrs and little stickies all over me all the time because I was, I was in the woods as a kid. Uh, it, was, it was a joyful existence. It was me by myself in the woods all the time. 
you know, and then I started using drugs and the woods became less interesting. That's just how it was. But before drugs, man, the woods were awesome. I mean, they were fantastic. <laughs> and, and the idea is that I have no idea why I just talked about that. I've just, the illustration was like, <laughs> it's gone. I started talking about drugs and I had a flashback and maybe it'll come back. Anyway, Paul, Paul said, I remember, look at that, see? Salvation from sin that so easily entangles you. The thorns entangle you, okay? So let's imagine you're running through the woods. You're all entangled in thorns, and you need to get set free from these thorns, okay? That's the salvation that you need to work at. There's attitudes and actions and patterned ways of living that have, that have grabbed you and you're stuck. And Paul says to the Philippians, and to us by extension, Philippians 2, 12 and 13, you need to work that out. He doesn't say, just let go, pray, and let me work that out. No, he says, you work that out. You work out your salvation. How? With fear and trembling. Why? Because God's involved. Because it's God who works in you, both to will, the very decision to do it, whatever the it is. It is God who works in you both to will and to act. There's the action according to his good pleasure. Friends, this is what you need to get in your minds. When you act and you're acting with a God consciousness and you're praying for his activity in your life and you're asking him to move, when you act, God is in that action, working mysteriously, empowering, enabling, giving you the grace to do according to his good pleasure. Now, back to Philippians 3, 12 to 16. He says, I press on. There's that action. Take action, friends. I press on to make it my own. What? The perfection. Paul wants to be freed from sin. He wants to be freed from the sin that so easily entangles him. And so he says, I take action. I press on. I make moves. Why, Paul? Because Jesus Christ has made me his own. I love that. It's a very gospel answer. Why do I take action? Because God took action on me in the gospel. Because I belong to God through Jesus Christ, now that I am his and now that he lives in me by his spirit, I can go out into the world and make a difference and make change and see transformation happen. But you got to take action, friends. And then... He gives us a window into his inner life. Paul's, if you will, psychology. Look at this. But one thing I do, here's one thing I do, guys. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Now, now, now some of us, I, I, I am guilty and I need help. Oh, God, help me. I spend way too much time looking back into the past and looking back into the past negatively. Anyone else with me? Yeah, I constantly don't do what Paul does here. I look back and I get discouraged and things go gray and then I look forward again and everything's gray and cloudy. And I lose godly ambition. I lose a godly edge of creativity. I lose biblical hope. Not good. Not good. 
And so what Paul's saying here is like, look, I just told you that I'm pressing on to perfection and I'm pressing on because of the gospel. I'm pressing on because of what Jesus did for me. And here's one thing I do. I forget what lies behind. I forget what lies behind. Uh, And then what else do I do? And straining forward, straining, action, energy, movement, effort, straining forward, looking forward, forward to what lies ahead. I press on. There it is again. I press on towards the goal. Paul has a goal in mind. He has a a future aim. It's often said like this, friends. If you have no aim in life, then how do you know if you're hitting anything? If I were to say to you, what are you aiming at for the glory of God in the next year or in the next three to five years? And you're like, I I don't have any aims. Well, then how are you going to know if you hit it if you have nothing to aim at? And isn't it interesting that once you develop a godly ambition, I'm going to keep using that word, godly ambition, once you develop a godly ambition, you have something to aim at. There's a target to aim at. And then you can make plans to see the target hit. And maybe you've hit off to the right bottom a little bit. It's like, all right, we need to readjust the scope a little bit. We need to readjust the aim. More to the center. Lift up a little bit. And we, we have an aim, though. And Paul's saying, like, look, I have a goal. I have a prize that I am pressing into. What is it? It's the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything uh, you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Now, Paul here is speaking of attaining a godliness that is without sin, a perfection. He, that's his aim. Paul wants to see his self fully transformed and he presses on towards that okay where we're going to go next is romans 15 i love this part of romans 15 because we see paul's inner world wondering about the future he has aims he has goals he knows what he wants to see happen but he also has a consciousness that says if the lord wills we will live and do this or that. Let's go to Romans 15, 20. Now, remember, at this stage in the game, in Romans, we're getting to the very last paragraphs of the letter. He has fully flushed out the gospel. He has made a plea for the church to to live out the gospel. And now he's talking about his personal plans. And by the way, guess where we're going in 2021? Finally, we're going to go through Romans. But first, we're going to do four months of Psalms. Okay? More on that to come. Give me a second. So I'm not going to fully flush this out. We'll do that when we get here, when we go through Romans. Paul says, I make it my ambition. Ambition, Paul? Yeah, it's a godly ambition. Paul has an ambition. He has an aim. He has a desire. He has something he wants to get done. I make it my ambition to what? Preach the gospel. And then he he gives us qualification. 
where Christ, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. As it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Now, within those first 20 and 21 there of Romans 15, Paul's saying, I have an ambition, and it's to preach the gospel. But it's not just to preach the gospel in general. It's to preach the gospel to people who have never, ever heard it before. That's my aim. It's very specific. He says, I have an aim to reach unreached people groups. That's the language we use today. And he doesn't just have general unreached people groups in mind. Look where he goes next. To the Romans, he said, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. So he says, I've wanted to come and see your church. Uh, I didn't start the church at Rome. I know people there. I've got friends there. I've often wanted to come to you guys and encourage you to be mutually encouraged that I might share some spiritual gift with you and, and you might share your spiritual gifts with me. But because of this ambition I have to preach the gospel where it's not been preached, I couldn't come to you because there's so many unreached peoples. But now, verse 23, but now, since I no longer have any room to work in these regions, what regions? Well, earlier in chapter 15, he said, I preached all the way from Jerusalem to Illyricum. Now that's incredible, okay? And I have to show you on a map why that's incredible, okay? Down here is Jerusalem. Up here is Illyricum. So imagine you're, you're way down here, Jerusalem, all the way to Illyricum, but in a circle because Crete is where Titus was, where we get the letter of Titus, Crete. And so Paul literally has preached from this all the way to Illyricum, and he says, I have no more room here to work. <laughs> That's an amazing statement, friends. I, I'm feeling a little cramped here in this Mediterranean world. <laughs> so therefore, I'm going to come to you guys at Rome, right there. And he's writing the Roman letter from Corinth right there. And he says, I've made it my ambition to preach the gospel where it's not been preached. And now that I've accomplished that goal, I can come and see you guys at Rome. But wait. And since I have longed for many years to come to you, verse 24, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Here's Spain. So Paul wants to go Corinth, and he's going to go back to Jerusalem because he talks about that later, and give uh, the gift. This is Acts, uh, you know, chapter 20, 21, 22. He gets to Jerusalem, and then, and then I want to go to Spain. And on my way from Jerusalem to Spain to preach the gospel where it's not been preached yet, I'm going to stop by and see you guys at Rome. And hopefully we can hang out a little bit. And hopefully you guys can support me financially and get me to Spain so I can continue my ambition to preach the gospel where it's not been preached. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped by you or to be helped on my journey there by you. What do you think that means, be helped on my journey there by you? It means supported. It means funded. I hope to be funded by you, so I'm going to stop in 
and hopefully get some support from you guys. Once I have enjoyed your company for a while, at present, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. And you remember he was collecting aid from all the Gentile churches and he's going to make his way to Jerusalem and he's going to give them the gift. And he does make it there and then it goes bad for him. And hopefully we'll get to go through the book of Acts uh, and, and you'll get to see that someday. So Paul says, look, I have an aim. What's my aim? To preach the gospel where it has never been preached. And I've, I've done it, he says to the Romans. I got no more room to work here. And so I'm going west. I'm going to Spain. And as I go to Spain, I am going to stop and be supported by you all. And there are many scholars, I'm one of them, not a scholar, but one who agrees with the scholars, that Romans is a missionary support letter. One of his main motivations for writing it was to raise support so that he could stop in at the church at Rome, get funded, and then go to Spain and keep on his ambition. Now, friends, what, what ambitions might God have for us? Like, do you think big like the Apostle Paul? And I would say probably most of us not. Do we pray large prayers? Do we think more outside of our own little inner world? And by that I mean you. Is it possible that God might want you to come out of your own head in 2021 and actually bless others? And I would say absolutely yes. And that's that might be step one for you. And so he, here's how we're going to do this as a church, okay? First third, okay? We're going we're gonna to chop the year into thirds. We're going to have you work on your relationship with God. And we're going to do that by going through the Psalms. We're going to have each of the elders is going to have opportunity to preach. Uh, we're going to pick our favorite Psalms and we're going to preach through the Psalms. Okay? And, and the psalms are songs sung to God, but they're also beautiful for prayer. And so the first third of 2021, what we're going to do is we're going to be encouraging you to work on your relationship with God. Because if that's not established first, you're going to have a mess of a time trying to love others and reach out to others. Now, you need to have a strong relationship with God that is foundational to any kind of ministry efforts god is not so much interested of what we can do for him as he is interested in your relationship with him however a relationship with god then leads outward to others right love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and the second is like it Love your neighbor as yourself. This is what God wants for us. He wants us to have a deep, foundational love relationship with Him. Then you can have that relationship spill out onto others. So the second third of the year, this will go into the summer, we're going to work on your relationship with others, especially in your church community. So step one, if you will, first third of the year, you and God. Now there will be overlap. No doubt there will be overlap because we're going to continue gospel-centered communities. We're going to be doing the, the equip courses. And we're going to be continuing to worship together corporately and gather corporately. But I'm talking about a focus. There will be overlap. But the focus of the second third of the year is going to be 
how can we help you and how can we together be praying towards and how can we take action to be more connected with others in our church and in our uh, maybe family dynamics or, or those who are close to you. Okay, that's going to be second, third of the year. Third part of the year, we're going to outreach. Okay, and, and again, there will be overlap. So we're going to do a bunch of stuff this summer and, and hopefully there will be more outreach and we're, we're, we're going to do outreach all throughout the year. But focusing as a church on outreach in the last third of the year. And so the plan sermon-wise and focus-wise, which then spills over into gospel-centered communities, is first third of the year till Easter, uh, we're going to go uh, into the Psalms. And so you, you might get one Psalm a week. If we do a long Psalm, it might get chopped into, into two messages. But it will be focused on God and who He is and your relationship with Him. And I'm really looking forward to it. And so we're going to go, if you will, deep into prayer, deep into God, and we're going to dive in as a church into our relationship with God. And then the plan is after Easter, boom, we're going to hit Romans. But we're going to hit Romans in a unique way. We are going to go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, but we're going to pause throughout the, the book, and we're going to maybe say stop at the end of chapter 3, and we're going to drill into topically some of the major themes that were brought out in those chapters. And so there's a lot of themes, theological themes in chapters 1 to 3. And then after we do some of those themes, we'll jump back into chapter 4, verse by verse by verse by verse, and maybe after chapter 6, we'll pause again and do maybe four topics that were brought up in 4 through 6. Okay? And we're going to finish the book of Romans. We're going to go all the way through it, verse by verse by verse by verse. And as we do, the hope is going to be, what's the focus? You and God in the first third, then you in relationships in the second third, and then you and others, those you don't know even maybe. And outreach and share the love of God and show the love of God throughout the year. Now, the last verse we're going to look at, verse is... Um, for the night are Galatians 6, 9, and 10. Okay, I love the book of Galatians, and I love how Paul wraps up this letter. He says, let us not grow weary of doing good. And friends, let's be honest, have you grown weary in doing good ever? Yes, you have. It, there's a reason why Paul encourages the church at Galatia not to do this. Because it's very easy to grow weary and to burn out or to be discouraged or to say, this isn't working. Or to say, I put so much in for so little back. The return on investment is so small, I don't know if I can do this anymore. We're always tempted towards discouragement. And so the reason Paul says this, and by extension to us, is we have a tendency to grow weary in doing good. But let's not do that. Let's remember that we are rewarded for even a cup of cold water given in His name. It's not going to lose its reward. So even if we don't see the amount of fruit, the amount of payback, if you will, that we want to see, we know that in eternity, all of our efforts are being noticed and calculated and documented and one day our aim this should be your aim of your whole life is to hear well done good and faithful servant enter into the glory of your master 
That should be your overarching aim for your life. To hear on that day, well done. Well done, my son, my daughter. Let us not grow weary of doing good. Why? For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And so I don't know if 2021 is going to be the season, quote unquote, for the ministry efforts of the church, but we have certainly planted a lot of seeds in the last six and a half years. We have planted a lot of gospel in the past six and a half years. And we have seen some fruit, but not, at least in my mind, the fruit that we should see. And so maybe 2021 will be the year that we see the fruit because we've not grown weary in doing good as a church. If we don't give up, let's not give up. And then verse 10, so then, as we have opportunity let us do good to who? Everyone. So our aim as Christians is to bless, love, and do good to everyone. No qualifications. What am I supposed to do as a Christian? Well, part of what you're supposed to do as a Christian is to do good to everyone. Now, that means as you have opportunity, that means as the Lord brings situations and circumstances into your life, it doesn't mean that literally Every problem in the world is now your problem. doesn't mean that. You know, that would be ridiculous. God's given you certain gifts and certain opportunities and certain resources and certain amounts of energy and, and etc. We all have responsibilities. But God has given you this to do good to everyone you have opportunity to. But look at the next qualification. Especially those who are of the household of faith. Now, Brett did a good job earlier of saying the house of God is not the church building. It's the people of God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God. Peter says we are living stones, each person being built into a temple for the Lord's dwelling. We, the people, are the church. We are, in one metaphor in Peter, the building. And so we do good to those who are a part of our local church. And so we're going to do both of these things in 2021. First third of the year, focus on our relationship with God. Go deep. Wrestle with God. Wrestle with the sin that so easily entangles you. Get out of the rut. Step two, let us do good to those of the household of faith. Let's love each other and build community and go deep. And then let's, on the last third, seek to reach out. And as I said, there will be overlap of all three throughout each third. There it is. My hope for 2021, and I hope you will share this hope with me, is that God will use us to advance his kingdom and to reach many who are right now currently lost, headed to hell, and do not know him. They're all around us every single day. And perhaps it's, it's your, if you will, weak relationship with God that is causing you to not even see them or not even care that they're there. I mean, perhaps it's like, yeah, they're there, but, you know, I got my own problems. I got my own issues. I got my own stuff I'm dealing with. I really don't got time for all that. We should be able to be burdened by the lostness of others and seek their salvation. Now, God is the one who saves. We are not the Savior, but God will use us to share the good news and save. And so my hope is that we can go deep with God, go deep with each other, and also reach out and see the lost found and see his kingdom expanded.
see leaders raised up, see ladies equipped to do discipleship and evangelism and apologetics, to see the ministry of Eternal City Church multiply throughout the year, and to plant more seeds for growth. So we're going to, together now, anticipate 2021 and remember that we are the Lord's, and because we are the Lord's, we are secure. We can move forward into the future, not with fear, but with faith. We can move into the future with security because we already have the favor of God in the person of Jesus Christ. We're not going to work to earn His favor. We're not going to work to try to get on His good side. No, we're going to work out of the favor we already have. We're going to work for others to have the relationship that we already possess with God. But we are going to work. And my prayer is that we will work with God's energy. We will work with trust in Him, not trust in us. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear what? Much, much fruit. Not a little bit, a lot. And so I, I want to see that personally for us this year and outwardly for others this year. Personal growth, fruit, outward growth, the lost found. So let's remember what Jesus has done together. Uh, the elements are going to start coming around the room here. Uh, Eddie's bringing the communion elements to you. And let's together remember that we can look forward, which is grounded in Scripture, what Jesus has done in the past for us, we can look with future hope. We can look into the future knowing that we have a God who has saved us, is saving us, and ultimately will save us. He is ours, and we are His.